Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts. Daniel Raphael, welcome to 15 Minutes of Fearless. You are a top 1% Amazon seller, CEO of the Lion Group, and you love to work with big brands. I'm so excited to dig into the next 15 minutes on the love and hate relationship with big brands selling on Amazon. Oh, wow. Thank you for having me. What a nice uh, topic to talk about. Very, very excited. Yes. So if you don't mind, would you share with us some of the big brands that you have the privilege to work with? Yeah. So uh, Steve Madden's a big one, uh, Brown and Haley, uh, one of the most uh, oldest uh, chocolate brands in, in, in the nation. Uh, Go Smile, uh, Diana Silvercross, which is a very prestige uh, British uh, uh, stroller brand that the royal family uses. Ooh. A lot of history. Uh, Astonish, speaking of the UK, their number one cleaning brand in, in the UK, Okay. Uh, which we recently started working with as well. Uh, Fitflop, a very cool uh, flip-flop brand, actually. Uh, good for the Austin weather, I would assume. Um, and many more, um, probably close to 50, and our pipeline has never been more full, thank God. Wow, that is quite a lineup. And these big brands have faced a lot of resellers, and you once were a reseller, as we learned on your previous episode. And there is that love-hate relationship of big brands, not only with resellers, but just across the board. What is that about? Yeah, so Amazon is a beast that's growing like crazy, and people can't even catch up with the growth, which is amazing for the Amazon community, people you know, like ourselves. But you know, a lot of these big brands are sitting in in their conference rooms, and they are getting very, very upset. And a lot of times, they have a true reasoning behind being upset. And I'll just give you a classic example, right? We're in a major city at the moment, but major cities are not just what happens in the United States of America. So if you live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for example, and you walk into a shoe store and you want to buy a new pair of Birkenstocks, let's say, Birkenstock is, is, a, is a very big popular brand. Protocol is very simple. If you're a retailer carrying Birkenstock, you must comply with map pricing. So if you as the customer in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is walking into the store, you will see the shoe that you want to purchase at let's say $99.99. And the shoe store can't really sell it to you below that. Again, a few times a year they'll get you know promotional dollars. Each brand works a bit differently, but we're talking mainstream right now. Now you as the customer, you like the shoe, you just tried it on, and you want to purchase it. But now you have this ritual, which you're used to, thanks to Amazon. You'll scan it, and you'll see that on Amazon, the same exact product is for, let's say, $10 cheaper. Yep. So the same employee who now helped you for 20 minutes and really wants to make the sale, you show this to him, and you're like, yo, if you're not matching the price, I'm, I'm just not going to buy it, right? It doesn't make sense. And he calls his manager, and his manager says, yo, we can't. We're signed on a map agreement with Birkenstock, right? Therefore, uh, we can't, you know, go below. So you end up leaving the store, 
purchasing it on Amazon, of course you'll get it tomorrow, and you can return it whenever you want to return it. You perhaps can even wear it for 30 days and return it, but that's right. a whole different topic. Uh, but the bottom line is, is I think that the love-hate begins in that phase, because now the store manager is calling his rep at Birkenstock, a.k.a. his sales rep, and he's saying, listen, we just lost another sale. We have a problem here. Amazon people are undercutting your map that you guys, you know, forced us to sign upon. Now, Birkenstock is going to Amazon, and they're seeing the wild, wild west. They don't even know where to start from. So naturally, they hate Amazon. Why wouldn't they? Because they look at Amazon as a whole right now. Right. They see a bunch of resellers. They have no idea where they're getting the product from, and it's frustrating them because now that same store in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, is placing much slower, uh, much lower orders because the velocity naturally is going down because he just lost a customer, and you're not the first and the last one who sees that on the internet, Amazon, if it's any other websites, you know the item can can be brought cheaper. So. I try to have conversations, for example, David Kahn, the CEO of Birkenstock, I love to use him as an example because we happen to be buddies, and we're not buddies from college, we're buddies because I'm that reseller who he used to hate. I told him as a gentleman's agreement that I'm no longer going to sell his product, or very limited based on his approval, and then I said, you know what, now that I'm honest and open with you and you see that I know a bit of what I'm talking about, perhaps we should work together. But he's still very, very stubborn, and he says, yeah, but I just don't like Amazon. So I tell him, once upon a time, you could have you know, you know, could have gotten away by saying, I don't love Amazon. But today, 8 out of 10 searches on the web begin on Amazon, if you like it or not. And believe it or not, if you go now to your Amazon app on your phone and you search for Birkenstock, 9 out of 10 times, a competitor will come up because they're just buying the keyword Birkenstock because Birkenstock has no interest in taking control over his brand on Amazon. So not only he's getting the wild, wild west on one side where everybody's reselling the product, now he's also losing market share because his competitors are naturally selling to customers who are technically searching for Birkenstock. So I really try to educate a lot of these brands. Again, obviously I would love to work with them as well, but I think that the proper education of understanding the dynamics more in details is so so important and most people don't even talk about it maybe they don't even know about it but that's you know the truth like you know with food and beverage you can get away with it easier because naturally the way these big food brands work is they partner up with multiple big distributors naturally these distributors they're chasing numbers all day long so if savvy amazon sellers come to them and they seduce them to sell to them they go with the flow but once again the brand is sitting in their conference room right they're looking and seeing what's going on and it's not a problem until it does become a problem because when they want to close a multi-million dollar deal with Whole foods or target and target is showing them what's going on in amazon and the whole wild wild west Once again, these brands become very frustrated, and the saddest part of it all, they don't even know where to begin and how to start. Yeah, because they let it get away from them. Yep, very a long, long time ago. And even when you were 13 and you were hustling and reselling, and I think it's great now that you've grown up and you have the Lion Group, but that you have no shame in approaching these brands and saying, hey, I was the one who made you know, six, seven, eight figures off of reselling. 
I know how it works and I can help you. And what I'm hearing from you is you're kind of saying, hey, look, there is room at the table for everybody, meaning there's a spot for resellers, there's a spot for the big brands, and there's the spot for all of Amazon's rules and regulations. But getting everybody to come together, I mean, how would that even happen? Right. But but the brand must take control because everything you said right now can only really apply in peace and harmony if the brand fully knows how to take control of, you know, their brand on Amazon and on other channels. And today the challenge is even growing more because, uh, you know, Walmart is playing a huge role and eBay is growing and yep. there's just a lot, a lot going on. But, you know, you have distributors from all around the world who are technically buying from American brands. They're technically shipping it to Europe, let's say, but as they ship it, it doesn't even get to Europe. It turns around in the ocean and it comes straight back to the US and people are reselling and the brands don't even understand how they have you know, so much access to so much quantities and it takes them sometimes six months just to figure that part out. Yes, it does. And then not to mention all the legal stuff, right? When you start pulling in lawyers and the brand lawyers have to dig into it. And I imagine those lawyers don't know a ton about reselling specific to Amazon. Yeah, uh, you know, I have an album, probably 100 pages more, 500 pages of letters from these fancy law firms, you know, as I was the reseller. No way. <laughs> yeah, I save it. It's I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to do a custom nice album one day. And these letters, unfortunately, in most cases don't really do a lot unless you really with conviction know you know what's happening there are certain states and there's certain tactics from a brand perspective you know a cease and desist uh, combined uh, with you know a court order as far as you know requesting a, a judge requesting to see invoices of where really this merchandise came from uh, we had a few interesting experiences in the past where we, we, you know, we tried to avoid going to court and we signed off that we'll never ever sell the brand again. Uh, but unfortunately, most brands, they don't even know what I'm talking about when I give them that example and how to achieve it. Um, I think that the more brands will ignore and keep their eyes closed, it's gonna backfire on them. And I think there is a way to live in peace and harmony with resellers, with brand partners like ourselves and others, and brick and mortar, you know, continuing hopefully in this very tough environment to, to rise above all of their unique challenges, which, which is very sad to be honest, as much as e-com is growing and that's amazing, but that growth naturally causes, you know, brick and mortar uh, to deteriorate more and more. And I think that that combination as well with the Amazon challenge is creating more frustration. So many brands say, oh, let me just become now direct to consumer only. Like nobody else should sell my products. But once again, that's not a simple solution because nine out of or eight out of 10 searches on the web begin on Amazon. And that's not going to change anytime soon as well. And then brands, of course, always think that Amazon is this low end type of marketplace. They don't even right. understand that today you can literally buy anything over there. Anything. So yeah. I mean, I think education can go a very long way in this regards. Yes, I agree. That is great advice. And before we say goodbye, 
What is a tip you have for private label brands like myself? If somebody is reselling on Amazon, what is the right way to approach this? I think the the right way, <laughs> like with your children, unconditional love. Uh, the more you be nice and you try to, you know, get that person in a normal mindset, right? Because Amazon sellers, a lot of them, because it's such a intense environment and there's so much volatility involved in so many areas, just body language, people are chaotic. So if you can speak in their love language and get their attention and try to work together, and I, nine out of ten times, I would say would, uh, you can solve the problem and move forward by staying even friends and hopefully doing even something together one day. I like that approach. It is friendly. Well, it's not friendly. But being friendly is a great approach because it's business. We're all trying to make money. And if you start threatening somebody's income, that's when they come back more aggressive and you might already be upset as the private label brand, but also it's confusing. Like, how do I do this? So I really appreciate that insight of approach it gently. And I always like to put myself in the other person's shoes, right? And think about, well, they're hustling. And it is a little bit flattering that they picked your product to resell because congrats, you that's have a great a huge product. huge compliment, yeah. That's, first of all, embrace that, yeah. Like, you should really, like, close your eyes and say, well, they're reselling my brand, my product, number one, I deserve a lot of credit here because that means I, I did a, a good job. So yeah, I that's 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 a good one. Yeah, so take it as a compliment and then maybe even write down your angry thoughts and then approach it very nicely. Yep, yep. Like I have my own WhatsApp chat with myself only. It's called Daniel's Top Secrets. So many times I have an urge to send something to somebody because I get triggered or he's doing something wrong, I first send it to myself. If I get a respond back, then I'll send it to him, but I can't respond to myself. So that's also a great practice uh, perhaps to implement in the daily lives of Amazon sellers. Yes, because you get it out, but luckily it didn't go anywhere and start a big match and then maybe turn into something legal because every action we take as Amazon sellers can cost money. A lot of money. more now, now more than ever before. Yes, it is getting more and more expensive, and it's getting more and more exciting as well. And I am so excited for the rest of 2023. And thank you for shedding light. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. This has been a wonderful 15 minutes of Fearless. And Daniel, until next time, stay fearless. If you're already selling on Amazon or you're looking to get started and you want my help, Go to amzfearless.com to book a free strategy selling session. We can see if we can help you out. That's amzfearless.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time, stay fearless. Fearless.